Hello, welcome to another podcast, but this one is slightly different. Yes, there's lots of podcasts out there, but this one is where you hear two guys who want to talk about things that they like and put them into lists. Is that different? Uh, it, it, I don't it, think we're quite selling it. Um, wait, 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 wait. So what we do is we, we pick we pick a movie, uh, 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 some songs, um, TV shows, and then, then we stick it into an arbitrary list, which we call our favourites of some kind. It's, uh, I don't know what to do. This isn't really selling No, it. I don't think we're selling it. Wilkes, get the guitar. Okay, got the guitar. Should we put it into song? Let's sing this thing. Different songs to cater your mood. A certain film for how you're feeling. What TV shows to suit your attitude? Situation change. What you find appealing. So we got together and made a podcast. Making it for different things. And it's called. Thank you and welcome to uh, Playlist for Everything. How are you doing today, Wilkes? Yes, not too bad, not too bad. Now, we've got a lot of business to do today. I believe our theme is... What is our theme, actually? What is it today? Our theme today is sequels, spin-offs and covers. Oh, it's a, it's a juicy one, I think. There's lots of debate and um, can be controversial for this. But yes, the sequel, the spin-off or the cover... Yes, well, let's start straight away and shall we look at the sequels of movies? Okay, so we're going to choose three different movies. Well, hopefully different. We might choose the same movie. I found this very interesting to try and stick to this theme and not get swept up in a lot of commonplace answers i don't know about you wilkes what was your credential to this what you're looking for in a sequel like um i was finding that um you know you get some quite good okay sequels which basically just copy what the first one did Mm -hmm. i've sort of tried Mm -hmm. to stay away from them and because when i actually think about it i'm like going no it wasn't as good as the first there's moments in it that you like be like no not as good as the first when I was thinking about this, I realised for a long, t- for just unconsciously almost, I think I'm a uh, first film purist, particularly if they're good. And actually trying to think of second or subsequent sequels that are better than the first film, group of films, it was really hard because I, I kept getting pulled back to thinking, well, the first one, the first one's where things started, or the first one had some sort of innocence it so I, I kept i kept doing that one of the criteria i kept trying to remind myself i was like well it has to be better than the first i mean i think that's no we're both thinking that i had to feel conscious that it's definitely better than the first i also because hey we might have other episodes i really try to avoid franchises that are quite long and cherry picking 
from that. So I, I was, I, I, I could imagine eyes rolling out the back of your head if I was to bring up a MCU, for example. So I've completely tried to avoid that for this time. Query some of my stretches, but my first, and this might have been the easiest one that I picked because it fit most of that criteria. And for me, I think it is significantly better than the first. And that is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Oh, I had that as well. Oh, I wondered if you might do. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that is, I think that is the winner. I just... <laughs> this is just an improvement almost in every step of the way on what the first brought. And you don't necessarily need the first to really get into this movie as well, which stands alone. It has improvements on, oh, well, one of its main things that makes it a like all-time classic is its um, visual effects. It still looks good now. And it still looks good now. But yeah, it does what, um, what you'd expect all sequels to do, where you get a great first film, but there's going to be restrictions in budget. There's also going to be like a lot of people not sure if it's going to be a hit. And then as soon as it's a hit, you think, right, bigger budget. You've got confidence that you know what you're doing. You've already established the characters. Let's go in and do this. And it's like so many sequels just play it safe and just repeat. It twisted it up in a way that um, is now it, it, it has what is now a common trope for action movies with villains that are well liked. Um, but for the day, I don't think it was as common. Um, it's where it takes a villain and turns him into a good person, but it does it in such a way that it, you, you don't, I don't know, it doesn't draw you out. It doesn't make you feel like it's made a, um, the decision to do that. It just works naturally with the plot. So a movie, one of the early movies I remember that made me cry because it has that emotional hit at the end, spoiler warning, and it gets you. It, it absolutely gets you in, in your chest. So. That's, an, it, that's, that's another great thing about Terminator 2. It hits you with the action. It hits you with the um, this great soundtrack, hits you with a great villain, and then it hits you in the feels where you go, wow, I actually feel really sad that a robot is dying. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, yes. Nope, can't argue with that one. Okay, Wilkes, what's your first pick? Okay, I've picked Back to the Future Part 2. Are we back? October 21st, 2015. Marty, we're going to be able to see our wedding. Wow. Future. I got to check this out, Doc. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, that is deba- that, that, that is an interesting call. Tell, well, tell me why. Okay, when we were going through the credentials before, are we saying it's better than Back to the Future 1? Are we saying that? I feel like that's exactly what you're saying, and I feel... Maybe it's my one-itis, first-itis thing, but I feel... Whoa, the first one's really great. I think, well, the second one replays the first one. It's in there. <laughs> Obviously, it's doing the same beats and it is the same film, but it's done a slightly different twist to it. It's clever, and it does rerun over itself in a, in a, in a fancy way. Yes, and I'll, I'll give you that. Oh, I just don't know if it's better than the first. 
personally. I, I considered it in my list, but I was like, no. Back to the Future, it, it's, it's, that first film is almost a perfect movie in itself. Oh, I, and... agree. I, I agree, but I just think that this is up there as one of the best sequels. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm not saying... Oh, although that was one of the credentials before. Maybe I'm backpedalling, but... <laughs> no, I just think it does something a bit different with the sequel. And obviously, this was a film that probably didn't need to be a trilogy. And there's mm-hmm. question marks on the third one where it just goes out as a Western. But it yeah, seems big to sort of get away as a trilogy. You know, and you get more Biff. <laughs> different versions of Biff. Possibly one of the best characters ever. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I thought you might go there. I honestly did. It's got such a strong first. You've made me doubt myself. No, 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 but I think you're right. Quality does stay up. Is it better? Is it worse? Could you watch it if you, without the first one? No, I don't think it does, but I'm okay with that. It complements. It, it's, it's like a perfect dessert to the main meal. <laughs> and a lot of people prefer desserts. There you go. There's a good simile for you. Okay, what's your next one then? Okay, so my second choice is uh, potentially controversial. So here we go with it. I've chosen The Silence of the Lambs. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realise that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I know nothing about this being a sequel ah well that's another reason why i picked it because a lot of people don't know it's a sequel so prior to this um there was a movie called manhunter which is based on the red dragon which has hannibal lecter played by brian cox didn't do that well although it's now seen as a bit of a cult classic manhunter um there was it, it didn't do that well in the box office and it sort of got buried but um the people behind it producers behind it wanted to make silence of the lamb so they recast everyone and it got a new screenwriter, and it, as it was, and Anthony Hopkins stepped in, and Silence of the Lambs again, canonically second book after Red Dragon, which Manhunter was based on. Then Silence of the Lambs, then Hannibal. This one came in. Most people see it as a first, but it is actually a sequel to um, uh, Manhunter, which they then rebooted in Red Dragon. This feels sneaky. This feels sneaky. I, quite, uh, uh, I like it. I like hey, the research. I like yes, thought hey, outside the box. There was research. There was thinking outside the box. And it is. it kind of fits most of the criteria. You're taking Manhunter as the first one because it is a huge quality improvement. It's, it's, it does everything it tried to do in Manhunter, but better. And it creates one of the best screen performances of all time in Anthony Hopkins' Um, Hannibal Lecter and you know rightfully so it won all the Oscars it it got the big big three um, actor director best film of the time it was it was huge rightfully so it holds up Um, but is it more like Joker is a sequel to any Batman film no this no not not quite as loose as that it is a sequel canonically the 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 books and everything go tie in the sequel to it could argue it's closer to a reboot but they didn't reboot the first one they didn't so they didn't do red dragon until two or three movies later so again i okay, okay. i maintain it still counts as a sequel to the first one okay oh, yeah well let us know on twitter <laughs> if you agree or not
Let's see what your next one is then. I've gone for the other correct answer after um, after Terminator 2. I've gone for the Dark Knight. Ooh! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Uh, is a fantastic movie, and you're right, is a correct answer. If you took Batman out of it, Yes. You've just got a good thriller. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more with that. I, I think that is why it still stays high in um, people's mind. It is not necessarily a comic book movie. Obviously it is, but doesn't need to be. You, you're you right. Yeah, it's great. And I did almost go for Batman Returns, <laughs> which <laughs> well. again, I think is an improvement of Batman. You'll you're, you're, you're be uh, interested to see my next choice then. Well, if it's the uh, same. But let's talk about The Dark Knight. Let's talk about The Dark Knight a little bit more. Yeah, it, no, it's great. After Batman Begins, it felt like it got a, a slightly bigger budget. So it's got a lot more confidence. And Christopher Nolan's trying some things. And there's some great set pieces in there. Obviously, it's got iconic scenes. I think Heath Ledger is the Joker. Always the debate, is he the best Joker? I'm not too sure. I do find that controversially him dying kind of elevated him to a higher stage, which almost makes him untouchable. I think he plays him truer than most do. And he has a, a hell of a lot of nuance. So I would go out to bat and say he is by far the best Joker. Good pun there. Nicholson plays a good Joker, but he plays him broad because that was the style of that movie, and that's fine. Yeah, you got to give it. It's a broad Joker where this Joker. I mean, just to piggyback on what you said, that I think the interrogation scene um, where Batman and the Joker first meet in the movie, about like almost exactly halfway in the movie, bit later or so, is an amazing. Um, acting from both parts but it is so dominated by um the joker yes okay so what's your final one final choice um and as i said i, I was spitballing i was trying to avoid large-scale franchises like the mcu i i considered just to put them out there i did consider talk about empire strikes back and then i yeah. thought actually no rogue one would be a better choice for this but um Leaning on all of the self-imposed uh, restrictions stuff I, uh, we did, I went for a little-known movie called Batman Return. I've been down here too long. It's time for me to ascend. Oh, good. <laughs> good. When you, when you sort of laughed earlier, I wasn't sure if you were sort of just dismissing it, going, no, it's not very good. No, but no, still Batman like it. Returns fills the criteria. It also because I I was really trying to avoid reboots, except for Silence of the Lambs, because I knew I might have to go for a bat for that one. So in Dark Knight was so on my list, like was was number two on my list after Terminator. But then I thought, ah, would would uh, Wilkes would you go? Oh, so obvious to me. Yeah, no, no, no not with those ones. Not with Tim Burton's Batman. Um, but Batman Returns compared. From, you know, if you get that, what the first Batman to that, again, it just elevates everything that the first one did. And I'm, I'm not saying, I think the first one's great. Don't get me wrong. There's some, um, Michael uh, Keaton is 
pro arguably and probably one of the best Batman. But the second one just has a bit more scale, a bit more scope. It has more, it's very much more Tim Burton-esque. So it's a little bit weirder and surreal. It's darker. In places. A lot darker. It's a Christmas um, film. Yes, which always, is, I, I tend to forget until you start watching it. Go, oh yeah, everything's at Christmas. I, wa I watched it um, at Christmas and um, I was thinking, trying to imagine watching it without the music from Danny Elfman. Mm. And I thought this would be a very odd film without the music because it's just, it, it, there's some really odd bits. When um, Catwoman's trying to chase the bird, um, Penguin's little bird in the cage yeah. and sort yeah. of eats it. And it's sort of, it's really, it's supposed to be some sort of seduction scene. And mm. it's, it's just very weird that there's this grown bat, a grown penguin and a grown cat just, <laughs> it's almost yeah. quite pantomime. It, it is. I, I think you're right. Penguin. Such a such a strange choice for a villain to put on a big screen as it was. Um, it it kind of makes no sense compared to everything else. He he's got a very very strange kind of origin with uh, the general uh, rose gallery of Batman, and you just wouldn't think it would work in that way. And Tim Burton lent into it, and Danny DeVito lent into it, and made for a very peculiar villain. But then he's not he's not the only one he's almost like the the cartoon villain of the piece because you have um the guy controlling him rutger hauer um i can't think of his name but the 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 guy behind the penguin push so that that's a quite a cool dynamic and a <coughs> excuse me <coughs> way of changing the uh thing up and then yes you've got catwoman as you mentioned earlier a catwoman probably one of the best introductions of a, a new character like that sort of on the in the middle a goodie and a baddie you know anti-hero kind of thing um it's, but yeah she's great michelle pfeiffer is it's the only batman film that has been successful that doesn't have the joker in it really because batman's uh, always struggled with his bad guys if it's not the joker in it you're kind of not interested yeah i think so i mean batman's notoriously got a good depth of um um rose gallery but not many of them have been done good on on movies so it makes it a little bit more peculiar and the fact that the joker keeps getting done quite well everyone just loves the joker okay well yeah good and... choice well we seem to be agreeing with our films and now it's just me with my oh. final one and i don't think you're gonna guess this one i I, th I thought you might come up with a um side a curveball let's go yeah, okay, so I've gone for Before Sunset. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're here. Why, well, I live here in Paris. I've wanted to talk to you for so long. You know, then now... <laughs> Me too. How long do we have? 20 minutes and 30 seconds? No, Let's we go. Got... <laughs> no, we got more than that. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you've gone, yeah, you've gone very, um... I mean, it's, it's, yeah, okay. Okay, so, yeah, as you know, I'm a big fan of Richard Linklater. I just think it's such a talent to be able to have films where it just follows characters. Nothing really happens, but you're just following yeah. characters. And that's what the Before series does. Yeah, uh, you think of sequels, you always think of actions, you think of recurring big characters, you think of superhero movies with lots of sequels like this. You don't often think of people-driven movies, emotionally people 
driven movies the, the four trilogy i think there's seven years between each one you know and it's just that classic thing was oh we just wanted to see what these characters were up to and in yeah. a lot of the cases when you with these films you go you see these characters and you're like actually i didn't care they've got old now i don't care about these characters but yeah. what the before trilogy was good is because you kind of do you know, oh, i wonder yeah. what happens though when they grow up and that and that's what the film's doing it and it doesn't act like a film it shows that they have issues and it's just very real isn't it and then the, mm-hmm. even like before midnight the third one which again is really good yeah. it's kind of like it's quite sad to show that they're sort of on a brink of divorce an air of maturity to your movie choices there uh, oh, and, yeah, I, I, and I, to, I yeah. commend it i commend it well next we're moving on to tv shows tv shows and the spin-offs <laughs> Okay, so this was quite a tough one, I found, to think of spin-offs, like successful spin-offs. And I think the problem I had is normally if it's a good program, they become their own thing anyway, and you forget that it was a spin-off in the first place. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think I've gone very straightforward here. I don't think there'll be... uh, Well, one might be a surprise for you, but uh, the other two I don't think will be surprises for you. So what have you gone for your first one? Well, my first pick is a classic it is probably been most people's first pick for this and i will say i did really enjoy this show so that's why i've gone for it but that's frazier yep i've got frazier as well hey baby i hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs quite stylish they're calling again good night Frasier, yeah. Frasier's, um, they changed completely from what they had set up, the, the, the style they had set up in um, Cheers. He was quite a side character, like more involved in the later series, but it's a, he, on paper, seems an odd side character to then go, oh, let's go and see what he's doing. Do you think that the Frasier we see in the spin-off is the same Frasier in Cheers? Like, the question I've always had is, would Frasier go into that bar? a episode of cheers the other day that was on channel four because it's on during the day or morning and it had had a shot it had a prominent um frazier yeah. in it and yes i think he is the same character i think it can see a connection from that over there but you're right you don't need to have seen cheers at all i know that there he was a spin-off character to really enjoy this show as it is it was well written and at one point um it was one of the most watched things on tv and it, it stands up. It's it's a different kind. It's 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 humorous, I guess, but sometimes laugh out loud. I think a lot of people remember it as this really highbrow comedy, um, but actually had a lot of farce. You know, it was a lot of Frasier just getting himself into bigger and bigger pickle, that, and it just escalates and escalates and escalates. Yeah, so a lot of farce about it, which I think people forget. Good. Well, yeah, I agree. I had that was the first one I thought of, and I was like. Oh, I could think of something other than Frasier, but... Okay. Nope, if it's solid. Um, do you want to tell me what your number two is then? Okay, I've gone for American Office. Fire! Oh, fire! Oh, my goodness! What's the procedure? What do we do, people? The are dead. Oh, how did that happen? It's out in the hall. No, we don't know that. The smoke could be coming through an air duct. Oh, my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, you calm down! Okay. Uh, Okay, yeah, 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 all right. And this was a program I didn't want to like. 
because I was so loyal to the UK version. In fact, when I first watched The American Office, I refused to watch the first few series because it was just repeating the same storyline. So I started at season three and um, yeah, and I was like, oh, this is okay, actually. And then it just became its own thing. And obviously it's, it's probably got as about 80 more episodes than the UK Office. So it just evolved into its own thing. And I stopped comparing it and just started enjoying it for what it was. Absolutely. I think I think that was the hardest thing for um, British people to get onto was just trying to compare it with the sort of different kind of humour. Um, but yeah, it, it it grew into its own thing. It's got that very it's got a, a very different kind of humour. And as I think we've previously said, there's a that style, that kind of comedy grammar that that came from the British office and then got honed and changed into the, in the American office is very recognizable now and yeah I, I i i think i would agree with you there it's hilarious good what's your next one then my next one um is as straight and arrow shot as you could think for me it was angel yeah oh it's a hobby of mine it's all about fighting and gadgets and such it's about showing them that there's love and hope still left in this world not just saving lives saving souls let's get to work So meaningful, so exciting. You fight demons. Then at any moment, one of them could walk right through that very door. I thought you were going to go for that. Yeah, Buffy's one of my favourite shows of all time, and Angel, spin-off, doesn't always live up to the heady heights of the best of Buffy, but actually, at the time it went off on its own, it made a to it, it did a different thing. It wasn't the coming-of-age drama kind of high school. It definitely went older and really good stuff with some of the existing characters that came over. Cordelia became a character that you wouldn't ever recognize from the original Buffy. Angel, David Boreanaz grew as an actor as well. So he stretched himself and he could really um, held it together and, and he was very watchable. And then um, on the last series, when Buffy had finished and, and Angel went on for a, another series more um, and they brought Spike into it, uh, which is probably my favourite verse character of all time. Um, their la that last season is actually a strong last season for one that got caught, sort of got cancelled on the hoof. I didn't know how that worked. I couldn't remember if um, it got cancelled before Buffy finished, but it because it, the Angel went back into Buffy, didn't it? Well, they had a bit of crossover back and forth here and there, but the very last season of Buffy where she uh, destroyed the he Hellmouth sort of coincided with the last season of Angel. Had one of those, it's one of those ends. Some people will hate it. I quite liked it. They basically, because maybe they ran out of time, ran out of money, ran out of budget, it ends almost on a um, drop to black like they uh, laugh about with um, the Sopranos. They've just tried to stop the end of the world and then they're, sta they're standing in an alleyway in um, LA and then what they've done has caused a big monster, a load of monsters, a load of big bads to come down. And it's it's four of them, the four main characters, half of them dying, standing up, about to go go in and have like an end game style fight with all the big bads of forever. And then they go, right, let's see if we can stay alive. And it ends. And some people hated that because it was like, well, we didn't get to see any fighting. But I really like the kind of thing. They're like, well, we've just 
you know, Joss Whedon, we've thrown everything at it. We can't afford to do it, so we're just going to end before they even get into the fight. And you're just going to assume that they're going to lose because how can they win? Um, and I, I enjoyed that. Ah. So, Angel. Okay, and what's your okay. last choice? Well, my one is a UK show, a very famous character. Um, I've gone for, well, it depends which show you want to go for, but I've gone for I'm Alan Partridge. I'm Alan Partridge, and this is Golfing Action. Seve Ballesteros, the bullfighter, that's what I call him. Uh, technically, he's a professional golfer. A friend of mine said recently, uh, what do you get if you cross a ballerina and a bastard? Ballesteros was his answer. He first started on the day-to-day Amando Inuichi's um, show, where he was just the um, sports reporter. Uh, I didn't think of them because they are all spin-offs from one another and you're just following a say it just it, it, they all feel almost like sequels if you're taking alan partridge as the main guy a spin-off of the day-to-day alan partridge works yes i agree i i i didn't i didn't think of it and i, I should have thought of it uh, and i probably would have had it in my list if i thought of it but it, it it's one of those things that it almost feels like um sequels but they're not they are absolutely spin-offs because each time you see him he's recreated in a different style of program and then even going on to the mid-morning matters and then um this time time. with alan partridge they're all spin-offs that you're just following him it's great so what tv show have you got to finish us off um star trek discovery its neck cut off its head starfleet doesn't fire first we have to my people were biologically determined for one purpose alone, to sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. Now, I'm not a huge... Discovery, Netflix show, Star Trek Discovery. They, it is, a, it, it's, it's a, 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 a spin-off because it's. I mean, every generation is a spin-off because they're following different um, parts, and they're not on the Enterprise. So it's, you know, it's not just a new captain for the Enterprise. And this current uh, remake, current envisioning of Star Trek, has been really fun and entertaining to watch. It's got a slightly a harder edge to it. Uh, a bit more depth, you know, more modern storytelling. It's not quite as, you know, they're here and they're, you know, the basic storytelling that the original Star Treks have done. This gives a bit more in. There's a there's a bit of dark. There's, there's swear words yeah, and swear. violence I've and heard. stuff. But never watched an episode. But uh, I I didn't think you would. But for me, I think as a as a as a good spin-off and a good change, it's going to be Marmite for some. If if you're Star Trek purist. As, as they have said, they will hate it. But for me, as a light Star Trek sort of Johnny come lately, yeah, Star Trek Discovery. It's worth a watch. It does good sci-fi. Some really interesting stuff. Some really good characters in there. And so you've gone for that over things like um, Picard and... Yeah, oh, I haven't seen Picard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I can't I can't comment on Picard. Um, it that might and be, every uh, other Star Trek even better. That's been because obviously there's been a few. Yes, well that's what I'm saying. Yes, I think over the, over them the next generations or Enterprise or Voyager or uh, that. No, I think this one for me has 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 hit the ground running and has got a lot of 
really good stuff in it and it's really watchable and it, it, it's a bit meatier than your your standard Trek um, spin-off so that's, 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 that's why I went for it good Okay, and now it's time for music covers. This is an interesting one. Pick our five best covers. Yeah, so how are we going to do this? Are we going to play the original <sighs> first? Uh, yeah, we can do. Okay, first tell me your criteria. What were you looking for from these covers here? Because there's so many you can choose from. Well, yes. My thing, it had to, for me, had to reinvent the um, song in a way that it's a difficult one to explain, so I'm, I'm not necessarily going saying that this is better than the original, because that's a really difficult thing, because sometimes some of the originals are classic, but it reinvents it in a way that gives it a new lease of life, is my thought process. Okay, so what I've tried to stay away from, I've tried to stay away from songs that have just been re-recorded by a more famous artist, Yeah. and it's basically the same song, so things like... You know, should I name them? Probably not in case you have them. But if you do have them, I will call you up on it. <laughs> I, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. There is one song I've picked in my list that doesn't necessarily any of this criteria. It was more of a spitballing exercise. With all of the stuff we've spoken about today, so our sequels, our um, spin-offs. so I wanted to find a song that, could fit some of that criteria as well. So one of my songs is not necessarily a cover, but it does, it fits, it fits into the general theme of this. Mm, interesting. I feel we're going to argue about that one. Might argue. You might think, you, you might have thought I've completely missed the point. Okay. Yeah, what's your first one then? So play the original. My first one, I think this is as close to the correct answer. I'm being bold here. Of this category. No, agree. That is that is hurt by originally by Nine Inch Nails and then covered by the late great Johnny Cash, um, and that fits the criteria in so many ways. It's a wonderfully heartfelt change. It gives uh, Johnny Cash's voice gives a bit more weight. I'm not saying. Well, I am saying personally. I'm saying. Johnny Cash's version is better, 
the original version is has a more raw and more it, it works for nine inch nails it works for trent rasner it in that um what he means it for i just think the 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 uplift with the raspy rich voice of johnny cash the slightly more contrified guitar and everything that goes into it just makes it far more an emotional hit i think it's a beautiful song playing martin bingo i knew that would be in there yeah 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 it reminds me and you better not have this song in there of um leonard cohen hallelujah and jeff buckley's version mm. and you kind of like the song would never be as good without the original but it is actually a better version of it. And that's exactly yeah. what this song is as well. Definitely. Nope. Good start. Good start. Yes. Okay. Wilkes, what, what, what are you going to okay. start off with? Now this, you might, I'm just going to play it and you might think I'm going one way, but I'm going to go the other way. Okay, hear me out first. Okay. okay, so that was um, when McRae did the original of You Were Always On My Mind. Um, I didn't know that to start off with. I actually thought, I, did, I thought Elvis probably didn't do the original, but he obviously made it famous. And yes, first I want to say, I don't think the Pet Shop Boys is better, but they make it so different and it's, it's a completely yes. different song. It's a different song. You're almost not realize i i the, not have come to my mind and even when you started playing it i was uh, there was a little bit when a penny drops i was like oh cool of course oh it's always on my mind <laughs> hey set you up for yeah. that you knock them yeah, down out the park. um and i know pet shop boys are marmite and even when i listen to it even just then i'm like is this a is this shit or good and it's just right <laughs> in that bit in between where you're going yeah yeah it works and yeah, I think they're a, they're a band that have come back in a in a small not come back literally, but in, in the minds of certain some people, they, they they've been picked up, they've been found almost again by some. I am surprised, and I'm not surprised at the same time that you picked. Do you like Pet Shop Boys? Do you I, like that song? Um, I like that song. Yes, that song is good, and I, I I like that version, and I think it does fit what you said um the criteria it does improve it changes a song enough to be new thing on its own but it still carries similar weight so yeah i like that what's your next choice um my next oh, I, all right i'll get the other one i think you know and you're you're gonna guess um out the way and then we can move on to my last three which are potentially more controversial in the trees 
That is Hounds of Love, originally by Kate Bush and then covered by The Future. It is a phenomenal song. It it hits me at that birth of my uh, festival slash indie love. Um, they take what this what is a sort of operatic, airy fairy Kate Bush kind of song, give it a harder edge. They get their woes in this kind of with their that accent going. Um, it improves the song because it just makes it a sort of in, an indie banger compared to this kind of art house kind of song. It fits the criteria. It's quite on the nose for me. How's I love? Yeah, um, I was thinking I put it in mine, but knew that you definitely would put it in yours. So I swayed away. Just listening to them both back there, I'm, I was thinking if someone hadn't heard neither one of those songs they might not necessarily go for Future Heads version. It's like when we when we first heard it, it was kind of like, oh, I love this song. Oh, it was a cover. And that makes you look at it differently. But it does feel like it's got a lot yes. more going than Kate Bush's. It's a slower pace. Yes. I just think the way the Future Heads do it, they've got a great riff with the, uh, 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 all that. Get stuck in your head. It really works. Completely agree with that one. It's a bit boring <laughs> if we agree, isn't it? Okay, go on. Um, Surprise me. Original Gloria Jones, Tainted Love, and then covered by Soft Cell. Soft Cell, Tainted Love. I love that. I've, I, I, yeah, I've really got into that song recently. Both versions or just Soft Cell? All the versions. Yeah, it's similar to my first choice. That, that was going to be my big thing I was going to say about all the different versions. And you think Soft Cell is the, the best cover. Oh, you're thinking of um, Marilyn Manson. Uh, that's one yeah. to say, yeah. I feel a bit bad because I don't think it's necessarily better than the original, but it's, it's such an iconic riff, which yeah. isn't in... Yeah, it's iconic, not in yeah. the original, really. The... Oh, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it, 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 I think this is one of those ones that you just know it's a good song, no matter who does it, a little bit. So the song, the, the riffs, the, the kind of stuff that gets you, 
hence why it has been covered by lots of but uh give it to you that i think the soft sell one although there would have been a time you asked me this 15 years ago maybe a little bit more and i would all have been about the marilyn manson one but, i'll ask you in 15 years yeah. time and see where you are there i'll probably be on the imelda may one because <laughs> i like that version too oh, okay <laughs> it's a swing rockabilly kind of version hey sometimes <laughs> yeah so like i said I, I've, I've listened to about five different versions of the mm. tainted love recently um and they're, they're all very good but yes okay uh, what's your next one my next one okay this one i think before i hit any controversy um this is uh just a straight up improvement This Way by Aerosmith, later covered by Rum DMC, which also features Aerosmith. Now, here's why this song worked. Almost feels like that the original Aerosmith one was like a demo track. Yes, it was a single that he released and it was big for him. But without the added extra beats that is added to that song, without the Rum DMC um, hip hop version to that song, the song doesn't feel whole in its original state. And the improvement, it's one of these things. I, I had a few that I had in my mind that I might have said around this. But if you hear the um, original Aerosmith chorus compared to the uh, Rum DMC chorus, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Mm. So in the original, um, Aerosmith goes, walk this way, walk this way walk this way and it kills me every time because in your mind because i've heard it you want to go walk this way talk this way walk yeah you know and so anytime the the original comes on the chorus just is dead to me because it doesn't have the talk this way so rum dnc improved that song completely to the point where the original is almost superfluous i yeah no i think well i do agree definitely it was also two genres coming together which hadn't really been done too much before but it also became yep. very popular after that and um for the whole of the 90s people just doing songs and adding a rap to it just throwing on mm -hmm. you know just do a rap over the verse and then go into the chorus they, they did it well and i think that actually is town to mount to aerosmith because why I played it on. So the first verse is an Aerosmith verse. It sounds like mm. a rap. It sounds like Aerosmith wanting to rock and rap, but it just needed the uh, Rum DMC, the kind of two-tone, the hype man with the last word kind of thing, just to, oh, just to lift it. Were you a fan of the um, Girls Aloud version? I am not a fan of the Girls Aloud version. Uh, I thought you might bring that up. Uh, the uh, Girls Aloud <laughs> versus uh, Babes, was it not? Yes. Would you prefer the original Aerosmith version or the Girls Aloud Sugar Babes one? <laughs> I 
uh, you, I have to go with the, the, the original Aerosmith version, even though it, it breaks my whole rule that they still do the talk this way and that. But I can't get over the really poor, slowed up rap bit where I took a big chance at the high school dance where they don't want to do it in the American verse. And that, is, that just n- murders that song. <laughs> I took a real chance at the high school dance. You're like, no, just do it, do it like it's done. So we've been getting on a bit too well so far with these covers, aren't we? We seem to be yeah. Agreeing. You're 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 going to kill me for my next one, so I, I don't mind. Now my next one is a song that I didn't actually know it was a cover, oh. and then um, I heard the original, and I was. It's one of those where when you don't know it's a cover, and then you hear the original, and you go, oh, I quite like the original as well, but it's a lot. Yes, that is Step On by John Congos originally and then covered by the Happy Mondays. Again, yeah, all of mine so far seem to add a hook onto the song and then that becomes... Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's fame. You know, like, obviously it's the piano there in Happy Mondays and the twisting my melon, man. But um, had you heard the original before? I had not. It, it took me, a, like, like you said, it took me a long while to figure out what the song was. And even when I'd got it, I was like, wait a minute, what, you know, um, I don't think I would have ever known that that was a uh, um, cover. I think you'll actually like the original. It sounded good. It sounded like a, you know, uh, some sort of psychedelic kind of Americana, 70s, trippy dippy stuff. Yeah, it sounds, sounds cool. It's good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy with that one. Yeah, I, I think you would be. I think you should be. Ah, uh, now I regret my last uh, this 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 fourth choice. I really regret this fourth choice. Oh. Uh, everyone, I am sorry. by Michael Jackson originally and then covered by Alien Ant Farm because I am one of those basic kids from the era that loved that Alien Ant Farm sort of slightly punkier, rockier version. And it's still, I, I would still listen to it. I would still choose it most of the time over the Jackson one just because it's, it's, it's pacier. It gets into it because it's slightly faster. Um, and sometimes the original feels a bit slow and slightly dated in, in its music stuff. The main thing is that I don't know how many people would want to put go out on a limb and say 
that a cover of a Jackson song is actually an improvement on the original, but that's the hill I'm standing on and I'm ready to die on, Wilkes. Okay, well, <laughs> I've got two points I would like to make. Number one, in your favour... Um, Michael Jackson isn't that popular at the moment. I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> yeah, so people would probably feel a lot, a little bit easier listening to maybe the Alien Ant Farm version. In my research, I did listen to this song and thought, oh, I quite like the cover. Um, and then I thought, but I also think it could go into the worst covers as well. <gasps> Sorry, I, I gasped too much. <laughs> Whoa, 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 why? Why worst covers? Why would well, this be not, on okay. the worst? It's fine. It's because all they've done is put distortion onto the guitar riff, <laughs> which is fine. But a lot of bands would do Every heavy band was doing this at the time. And I do enjoy it. But I think I only enjoy it when I'm watching the video as well and watching the, the spoofs they're doing on Jackson. I So I, I do enjoy it, but... I disagree, yes. It could be down to that fact that it's a good song anyway, no matter which way you generally play it, it's going to sound good. It's got a good riff. But they have... It's it's the pace. You listen to some version, it helps with the with him doing the moves and stuff. Take that away from the video that's in the Jackson one. It can sound a bit slow, and it gets a little bit dull towards the end. This one is punchy, it's poppy, it gives it legs when it isn't just about the video and about the dance okay Boomy. yeah it's it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's it should it be in your favorite covers of all time well it's your list you do what you want it's my list well okay well it's in there I, uh, yeah fine <laughs> okay my next one is this Yes, that was Not Over Yet by Grace. And then it became It's Not Over Yet by Claxons. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that was a cover as well. But as soon as you started playing it, it was like, oh, of course. I might have picked that if I had known and dropped some criminal. (laughs) (laughs) So Grace, don't know anything about Grace really, but it's an old dance classic. And... It feels what Claxons have done. They've just tightened it up and made that riff centre stage. Because Claxons, they were like, you know, they're only around for a short time, but they were going to be the next best thing, weren't they? They had a great debut album and then they were going to start a whole new genre of, um, what was it called? Indie rave. Yes. Yes, they did. And then it just, and then then it never (laughs) happened. And then they stopped doing anything. And then um... (laughs) they missed their own rave. Yeah. They missed their own trend that they started because they uh, didn't bring out a second album in time. Yeah, oh, I mean, the Claxoners at one point were like one of the one of the bands that I really loved. I didn't know that was a cover. I also, I've got no time for the original now. Yeah. To, you know, if I hear the original, it came on, I'd, I'd enjoy it, but only because I know the Claxon version. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, what have you got next? Oh, well, here's where I 
I was probably still, I still had a half a thought in my head from when we were spitballing this idea, and you said something about sequels and songs. So this isn't a cover, this is a song sequel, unless you want me to save it for another time. Well, that was going to be on it, that could be another podcast on the thing, but if you want to say it. <sighs> okay. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I just thought to keep it going, because we've done sequels and spin offs, and I, I, I was trying to look for something that was. And covers. I was trying to look for something that sort of had that criteria with it. That so I was trying to look for a good uh, sequel song. So that is Neighbourhood, part three. So it's a sequel. There are four parts of this songs on, on this album. There's Neighbourhood 1, Tunnels. Neighbourhood 2, uh, Laker. Uh, There's Neighbourhood 3, Power Hour. And the Neighbourhood 4, Kettles. And this um, makes the backbone of uh, the album Funeral by Arcade Fight. But part three, Power Out, the one I just played, is the best of the four parts hence why i decided to choose it when we're doing a whole podcast on spin-offs of sequels of things like that trying to look for a song that had part as a standalone neighborhood three power out stands by itself as well so that was that that was my thinking to be to try and be a bit more creative with our um ideas instead of just picking another cover i tried to be clever well I'm saying invalid based on our WhatsApp chats on planning. But you what said about sequels, and I was be. like, "All right," and I started thinking about sequels, so I was going to stick one in. Well, no, what happened? What happened was I said, "Oh, we should do sequels," and you went, "Songs have sequels," and I went, "Yes, there's quite a few of them." And then it was decided that you're like, "I don't think there's enough of them. We should just keep it to covers." And then what you've done now is then just put a sequel <laughs> in now because you've realised it's like, actually is loads of sequels to songs. <laughs> was just being trying to be creative with the uh, and 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 you know give something else that was a bit smart and intelligent this is a bit like you're creative in the sense of if someone asked you to build a house and you built them a boat <laughs> all right all right i mean there, there was the other one was 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 creative too do you, do you want me to no I, I... you keep saying the word creative but i think you mean the word wrong no, wrong. I was just trying to look for some things to interesting with. All right, you go on. Tell tell me tell me what you've got here. Okay, I feel you're going to come back at me on this, but um, there's sort of a certain theme with all my others where it didn't make me sound like I was a fan of the female voice. <laughs> okay. I might be you know compensating for that, but.
yes, that was Respect, originally by Otis Redding and then covered by Aretha Franklin. Yep. And you probably can see why I've chosen that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, what I like about that one is it completely changes the lyrics and turns it on its head. At a time, Otis Redding was sort of basically going, God damn it, woman, I bring you money, give me some respect. And Aretha comes and adds a load of sass on it yep. and basically turns it. Yes, yes, it does. It's just a powerhouse of a song. That is as close as the original one that where we said almost a right answer because you can hear the difference in it. There's just the voice just takes it, doesn't it? Really, and it, and it adds on the um, R E S P C T. Mm-hmm. She actually spells it out. Yep. And yeah, and I was feeling a bit guilty that I had chosen a load of songs where there was a female singer and then there was a band covering it. Yes. So I think that would get me out of that one by choosing a feminist anthem. (laughs) So yeah, that sort of brings us to the end of our covers and the show. But I just wanted to say a few of the um, ones that we were looking at and was aware of, but I avoided it. I don't know if you looked at any of these. Did you look at Sinead O'Connor? Nothing compares to you. Yeah, that, that 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 is one that comes up a lot. But again, I, I, I on the nose. On the nose. Um, Same with Whitney Houston. I will always love you. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, on the nose. You already said it. Hallelujah, Jeff Buckley and uh, Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Um, other ones that I actually don't like the new one enough, but Amy Winehouse with yes. Valerie. Yes, that, that, was, that was close, but I agree with you. I, I feel the original Zootons does do something as well with it, and it feels a little bit lost, even though they will say themselves, they've said, I've seen them before, like a lot of people who try and stick up for them, they'll say, well, they've made a lot of money on the other one. So I was close to going with um, one of the others. Uh, Can't Hurry Love, Phil Collins versus the Supremes. I, I, I like his version Ooh, there. Good it's one, that would have been great. I know, if I hadn't gone with uh, trying to mix things up. And I was going to be controversial, and then I decided to be a differently controversial, with uh, Moulin Rouge versions of songs. And I was yeah, I was going to tempt you with a uh, Elephant Love Medley, to see if I'd get away with, because as that covers a lot of songs, but I thought... Again, no, they're samples, but I would have accepted um, <laughs> your song. Your Again, song, song uh, is that the, is that which the has been covered one? a lot? Yeah, yeah, because the Elephant Love Medley's become a new song with other songs. <sighs> oh, I wish I'd done that now. This could be this is all that is for another podcast <laughs> where they reference. You know, you can do it with film and TV show. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Okay, so that's the end of the show, and we have completed our lists on sequels, spin-offs, and covers. Are you happy with your list, Martin? Hey, hey, I'm happy with most of my list. You know, the the, the movies I think are tip top. I'm not, I'm not, not that happy that you know it didn't quite work with the songs, but I will no. revisit that sometime, and I will make right what I once did wrong. I think you nailed it with Terminator 2 in the movies. That is probably the real right answer. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're thinking with your covers. You tried to be too clever and I, I had to raise that red flag immediately. Only one, only one. But yeah, um, if you disagree with any of our lists, um, then please get in touch. Obviously, there's so many you could add. So please, let's have a discussion about it. Yes, and uh, 
if, there, if there's enough uh, response to it, we might do another one. We might come back to this. We might add to our lists. We might make these lists bigger and better. Yes, please get in touch on Twitter or check our bio for all our lists that we have done in this show. Thank you. But for now, let's play it out. Hit it, Wilkes. Different songs to cater your mood. A certain film for how you're feeling. What TV shows to suit your attitude. Situation change. What you find appealing. So we got together and made a podcast. Making a list of different things. And it's called. A playlist for everything. A playlist for everything. A playlist for everything. A playlist for everything.